So first things first, Beth, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Good. So before we delve into the record, uh, what I want to start with is the piano. Now, this is going to be a very abstract question, but how important is the piano for you? Yeah, it's mm, definitely, it's, I mean, if I had a choice to sing or just play, I would just play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because I'm a very good pianist at all, but it's just the feeling is, it's very comforting. When know? did you discover the piano? When I was four, I started playing, okay. um, and I was inspired by a, a beautiful song that was being played on a TV commercial every day uh, called Moonlight Sonata. I didn't, I didn't know the name of it, I didn't mm -hmm. know the composer, but I knew that it sounded like someone who knew what it's like to have everything and then lose it okay. and be searching for it again. And my family, we were always so close and so happy. And then right around four or five is when um, the problems started happening with my mom and dad separating. So it was just heartbreaking for everyone in the family. It really caused a lot of chaos. And um, the piano was a very comforting instrument. Yeah, did you, you seek know? refuge in kind of yeah, music and definitely, the piano? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's the reason why um, I loved playing cello so much. I mean, mm -hmm. I love the instrument, but it was more than that. It was being in an orchestra because you have like the father figure, the, the composer, mm -hmm. um, or even the mother figure if it's a female composer, or, or uh, um, and you have the you have the whole orchestra. So the conductor is the parent, and then the orchestra is the kids. And so I felt like I was in a family, you know, mm. and so I think that's what I love the most about that. So especially early on, did you listen to a lot of, were you very into classical yeah, music? Yeah, very, very into it, right away okay. from the beginning, and still am. Okay. Yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, because can I assume then that even after all the, uh, these years that piano is still the basis, that that's where you go when you start to write songs? And yeah, I, I sometimes write on bass and guitar. Okay. Um, the uh, bass and also the guitar, I find, makes, uh, forces me to write a simpler song and usually mm. a little more rocking song. But the piano, uh, because my vocabulary, I have one on the piano. I don't really on guitar or bass. Mm. So I'm able to do a lot more chord mixing against melodies, which shifts the, the, so the tone of the melody so much, depending on the chord that you blend or push around it. And, and I love dissonance, so I, I love what it does to a melody like that. So I tend to do the piano more. And just the feeling of the piano feels better. Well, this might be difficult to, to describe then, but what, what is the feeling you get from playing the piano? And just like saying? I was saying, it's, it's the reason why I pl started playing and the reason why I still keep playing is just that feeling of unconditional love and comfort, guidance, like God, you know, okay. or angels or people that have passed away um, mm. that I knew and loved and that I feel that they're there, like a little piece of heaven is there. Right. And yeah. now, so on the new record, um, or in my mind, there there is uh, quite a bit of piano on there, and then obviously in your previous records as well. But yeah. was there a focus on the piano this time around? No, I think that I just happened to be with a producer who really supported that. Okay. Um, the majority of my writing is on piano anyway. Um, I really work hard on the arrangements of a song when I'm finished. I really like to have because an arrangement is such an imperative p a part of the way all the parts play anyway. Mm. And if the producer can beat that or he uh, um, thinks that it should go a, a different way, I'm also open to that. 
but that's really important to me that that arrangement be there. Um, mm. I even tried to talk him out of me playing the piano on yeah. it. And I said, you can get another guy to play my parts because I thought everything was going to be to a click track and I don't play well to a click track mm. at all. Okay. And I think that's also my classical background is the tempos are always shifting and pushing mm. and pulling and that's why you have the conductor to kind of make you know in your peripheral as you're reading the music that everything is going to shift and you want to follow that. You want to follow that little white bright stick, <laughs> right? Sure. So uh, with uh, uh, recording music, even though I'm not doing classical music, it's my nature as a writer mm. to do a lot of pushing and pulling and a lot of drama dynamics, loud and then really soft. And, and I also tend to do that with the tempo, too. And so that doesn't work for a click, even though now they have clicks that can follow you, but still at the end of the day, it's, it gets in my way. It makes right. me feel uncomfortable. So I was really lucky that um, Rob allowed me to do the majority of it, just a, a piano vocal, mm. uh, and then we built the, the instrumentation around it, a wonderful band he put together. And then some of the songs were built from a demo. Okay. So like uh, uh, Bad Woman Blues, I laid the piano to a click on that, but not while I was singing. I did it the day we wrote the song. It's a co-write between me and Rune. Sure. And then we turned that in with all the backgrounds and everything done. And then the band played to that demo for the final version. Right. So a, a few times that took place as well. Yeah. This might be a, a strange thought, but do you have a similar approach to your voice, the way your vocals work in terms of the loudness and the, the way you use your voice? Yeah, yeah, and I think it, it's just the um, nature of my personality, mm. you know? I don't really have a middle ground. Right. I'm either operating on mania or depression or uh, very loud and then very soft, and that uh, for me, that way of expressing just seems to be the way to best express whatever I'm feeling. Um, I do that with painting, too. Okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's always a lot of drama. Okay. And that's just, I guess that's my personality. Yeah, and is this something that uh, you've kind of accepted of yourself recently, or has that always been a part, kind of, you, you accept that, that, that these extremes both. aren't there? Yeah, I think both. Um, I think that as I'm getting older, there are certainly some things that I'm embracing a little bit more, like the fact that I'm never going to really know anything. <laughs> it's not possible. Sure, sure. And, uh, and also, that's a good thing to let that go. So I could make all these plans, but hopefully none of them come true, because usually something better does. And as long as I get out of the way of that, and I, I tend to have a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt anyway, so, but also simultaneously there seems to be this other part of me that goes, that's okay, that's your, that's your natural way of surviving, as long as you don't stick too hard to it. Right. And, and try it at some point, you know, like have your opinions voiced, but then be open for other ways that life is gonna take you. Because life's gonna take you where it's gonna take you. Sure. So letting go of more of that, maybe a little bit, but then in other ways, like as I'm getting older, I'm getting more nervous live. Oh, okay. When I was younger, I, I think I definitely wasn't as afraid to get on stage, mm. whereas now I think I do have more fear. So certain things get more mellow and other things the opposite. Yeah. What is that fear then that when you go on stage now? Well, I've thought about it and I've also done some therapy <laughs> on it. And um, so what is the latest perspective on it is that Maybe because I'm not, um, when I was younger, I did a lot more aggressive, a lot more heavy singing, a lot more screaming, um, coming from more of a masculine place and also coming from more of an angry place. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm talking more about subject matter um, that either I was unwilling to talk about or that I just can't help but talk about now right. that involves more tenderness and a softer heart. 
um, and I'm, I'm noticing that the, my writing and my singing is getting more and more closer to the heart. And I think because of that, um, there's uh, more vulnerability. Sure. And so, and I know me, I can't keep my big mouth shut once I get up, up, up there. And so I know I'm going to just do it anyway. Mm. And so I'm scared, you know? Because okay. it's, it's weird. There's a part of me that doesn't give a frick what anyone thinks, if right. they agree or don't agree or like me or don't like me. But then there's another part of me that greatly cares. Uh, I'm, I'm a dog. I'm a pack animal. I want to mm. be with people. I want to be connected. So there's always a bit of a, a chaos going on with opposite feelings about things. But that's quite an interesting thought because obviously you must know on some level that, that uh, you are a good singer and that people like what you do. Uh, but I also remember you saying uh, at, at one point that whenever things are good that you're always worried, okay, now it's going good. but The it's bottom's going to yeah, drop out. Exactly. Yeah. So is, yeah, it, is it kind of yeah. like that that you win? Well, I think that, you know, it's funny you mentioned that what popped into my head was a lyric in the song War in My Mind mm. um, where at the end of the chorus I say, well, I make love to the war in my mind. And I think that kind of comes back to that misery loves company. Mm. Uh, if I'm flat on my back and life has kicked me or I've kicked myself down, at least I don't have any further to go. Right. So there's a safety there. But right. really, that's, that's not true. It's just part of life. You're going to be down. Sometimes you're going to be up. But then there are other times when things are going great and I'm feeling free and I'm feeling grateful and I don't feel afraid. Sure. That, you know, um, so it's just always changing. Yeah, it's always changing. And, and one of the songs that kind of exemplifies what you just now mentioned is Let It Grow, I suppose. So yeah, yeah. What, what was the starting point of that song? Yeah, so I love that song. So what that song means to me is coming to a place, no matter how fleeting it might be, but having a moment, or hopefully longer, where you go, all right, like I was saying earlier, I can make all these plans, I can you know, be self-deprecating and say what a crappy person I am mm. one second, or be in grandiosity the next, and it doesn't matter, right. because life is still going to be what it's going to be, so just get out of the way of it. Mm. And you're going to still be who you are, but just be willing to let it take you, and then you can grow. You get a chance to evolve. Mm -hmm. As soon as I say, oh, I think I know what this is, or I know who I am, or I know who you are, well, I've just put a boundary around it because mm -hmm. I now know. And because I'm saying I know, really, that's just a false security. Mm -hmm. And it completely stops the ability to have a new perspective. Right. Because I don't really have to have a new perspective if I say I know something, right? So I, I love what my vocal coach says. He says, there's no way to know the truth and there's no way to capture the truth mm. because the truth knows that and knows what you'll try and do to it. So it won't let you. So it's always this journey and all this, uh, this digging, this digging, this digging for it, digging right. for it. So it's like that old saying, uh, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Yeah, that's what I love the most about life and I love the most about writing mm. is that it's not about how the song's going to end up being. But it's the moment of doing it right. and the feeling of just being in that moment. If it turns out like crap, who cares? Right. What the, it's the moment of experiencing it, showing up for it and letting it, you know, let you grow. Letting the, it grow. That's a very interesting thought because I hear this from songwriters more often. They, they, when you start a song, you don't really know where it's going. You so don't you're know where it's following going. The I know. Yeah, and, and I notice that I stifle myself if I'm using my mm. big fat ego to say, this is my intention. And right. it ruins it. Whereas if I just go with it and let it write me, it ends up being something maybe that I don't turn in for a record, but it ends up being a great experience. Right. 
you know? So do you have maybe one example of a song that didn't make the record then, but that, that you kind of had a good feeling about? Or well, I always turn in a ton of songs to whenever I'm getting ready to make a record, because I'm always writing. Sure. And I like everything I turn in, otherwise I wouldn't turn it in. So I never say, this is, what, this is the kind of record I want to make, and these are the songs I want to I don't do that. Mm. I find that that stifles and gets in the way of the process, kind of like with writing, too. Right. You're trying to make it then yeah, you might make it the way you wanted it, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the best it could have been if you mm. would have just let it grow itself, right? Right. So also that same thing with uh, um, um, whenever I turn in stuff and I turn in songs, I just kind of let them choose what okay. they like because okay. then I'm going to get the best out of those songs because I'm letting this producer, I'm hiring someone to produce this record. And I'm saying, if you love this, you're going to make it the best it can be, right? Mm. Unless I see you going off the rails, right? And using your ego to show what a great producer you are with all your tricks. Mm. As long as it's about the song, that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. So with you, what you mentioned earlier uh, in terms of a classical conductor, was Rob, did he function as a conductor of sorts uh, on this record then? I just think he functioned as a really talented producer who knows how to hear a song and the best way to capture it. And I think he's incredibly sensitive to that. I don't think mm. he leads with his ego at all. Mm. I think he really leads with his heart and his feelings. And I think he's also a very compassionate person and he's really interested. Because if you listen to all his records, none of them sound like the mm. same freaking record sure. over and over. It really sounds like the artist he's working with. And I think he's able to detect things in an artist that maybe they don't even see that happens to be their strength or their closest to the truth. What's this, the most... I think that what connects people to anything in life is something that resonates with them personally. Mm. And I think whenever we are trying to look good or trying to show off, we are never going to connect to the heart. Mm. Whereas if we just let it be what it is, if it's ugly, let it be. If it's dirty, let it be. If it's beautiful, let it be. But let it motherfucking be. And that's what I think that he does great. And I've had other producers that also do that. I've been lucky. I've worked with a mm. lot of great producers. But with him, I just found him being very encouraging. So if there was anything that he thought maybe I wasn't doing or hiding from, instead of him pointing that out and the need to cut me down, because some people really believe that in order to make someone get better, they have to be mean mommy. Sure. And I don't agree with the that. The tough love type Right, of... tough love thing. I don't agree with that. I think that the best way to be with anyone is to encourage them. And, and if there's something they're doing funky, you don't necessarily have to point it out to them because life will make sure it points out and they will learn. You don't have to be the God in their sure. life to point it out. I think sometimes when you just point out what you see in someone that's beautiful, it helps them to show more of that and to be inspired and, you know, be like a child who wants to come out to play. Mm. But if you're abusive, that child says, frick you, motherfucker, I am playing, you know? Did he tell you what, what, he, what he saw in you, in a sense? No, but he did it in, in ways that were really sweet like I remember the very first day of recording I wasn't there with the band mm -hmm. it was just gonna be me at the piano and um, I go to sit behind the piano and I was so nervous I couldn't even remember the chords and my voice you know was even extra wobbly because I have a really fast vibrato <laughs> and um, and he didn't say I can tell you're nervous what he did and I didn't even realize it till later was he just grabbed a guitar and went into one of the isolation booths so I could see him behind the glass. And he played the song with okay. me, knowing that, that that particular song I was doing with Sister Dear, there was never going to be any of that on there, right? But he did it just to make me feel safe. Right. 
So you see that. It's like there's no dictatorship. There's mm. just kindness and patience and love and guidance, you know, in a soft way. That and was nice. And this also, I, I can imagine, this, like you say, it's very, uh, it cultivates an atmosphere of, of uh, encouragement. And, and yeah. But when did the album take shape? Was it already kind of, were the songs already shaped out? Or oh, well, I had already, yeah, okay. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had already turned everything in. Okay. And, uh, and then he brought up a few things. Okay. Like he really brought up a sugar shack. He put this killer da 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 da, -da <laughs> and it shifted the whole song so much that I ended up writing a whole chorus part okay. or, or another, uh, um, whatever you want to call it, a hooky, or a hooky part of the song, a whole new part. And, uh, and that happened in the studio the day that we were recording the song and he just happened to, to record it. And it was all, the, everything was already running. Mm. So this whole new thing came out and that was inspired by that. And then he turned in a really cool rhythm, this Spanishy rhythm to mm. me and Rune, who uh, co-wrote this song together called uh, um, um, uh, the Spanish uh, lullabies, right? And it was going to be originally guilty lullabies. So he would do things like that. But um, I turned in a bunch of stuff to him, and he very quickly had in mind what he thought would work together the best, you know. And how I got the gig with him anyway was I happened to be playing at a dinner party of his, and he cooks a lot, and he cooks for large groups of people, mm. and he doesn't even have anyone helping him. He does it all himself. Okay. And he had a piano there at the house. And so I got up and I just finished Sister Dear about two days mm. earlier. So I played that and I played Rub Me For Luck and I played uh, War In My Mind. And I think I played for like over an hour of just a ton of stuff that I had. And he came up to me after and he said, I want to do Sister Dear. He goes, I really okay. love that. He goes, I love it even more than Mama, This One's For You. Okay. And he goes, so I'd love to do that. And then he said for Rub Me For Luck, he goes, I totally hear James <laughs> Bond. And, but he, he did it so unassuming and so humbly. And it wasn't like this pretend. It was just really sincerity and sensitivity. Mm. And I think that, again, you know, that makes way for a great working relationship. Right. When you work with people that are just gentle. And, and a sincere connection to, to what you're doing. That he, yeah, the, 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 real the kind respect of, yeah. and honor and wanting to bring the very best out of me. And, and he did it in a way that I didn't even know it was happening. Okay. It was so cool and natural. But that must have been a, a great experience then, this, uh, it this was. Whole, whole album process. It was, it was. But you know, I've, I've made some records with some producers. I wanted to wring their freaking necks during the recording, <laughs> but then the record comes out great. Sure. You know, and then I've made some records where the experience was really good and it didn't come out great. Right. So you just never know what you're going to get. I guess it's all good learning. But for instance, uh, well, you mentioned uh, Sister Dear, which is obviously a very close song to you. So is it... Is it kind of a sense of validation then that somebody like Rob can find something in that song and say, okay, this is the one that... Um, you know, the validation comes when I'm in the midst of writing it. Okay. It really does. Okay. And uh, I think it's pretty much always been that way. It's gotten more as I've gotten older. Mm. But I think one of the ways I've survived in this business this long is that I stopped allowing other people to validate my mm -hmm. worth. Sure. And I stopped allowing people to validate the song's worth. So in other words, you're totally open to your opinion, but it doesn't make it concrete. Mm. You know, it's just your opinion. I'll give you an example. Um, there are songs on this record that I turned in the last three records I've okay. done, and they were all passed by each and every producer. Okay. So a long time ago, I realized that just because someone doesn't like something doesn't make it crap. Mm. It just is crap to them. Right. But that very thing that's crap to them might be something that someone else goes, 
awesome. And that taught me a lot, not only about not judging my material based on others, but it's also been teaching me a little bit about not judging myself based on others. So I'll run into someone who will say, dude, you're such a dick and talking about your mental illness or talking about your addiction. You should be embarrassed of that. You shouldn't talk about that. Don't unload your crap mm. onto people. And that's how they feel. And that's okay. It's fine. But can you imagine if sure. that's how I also felt all the time? I would just freaking hang myself. Yeah. Because there are other people who have encouraged me to go, no, dude, you being open about that helps me out. So it's it, the beautiful thing about being a human being and about art and about everything is that everybody's got a different opinion and that's totally okay. Yeah. But what matters is your own belief in what you're doing. It doesn't mean you got to walk around saying, oh, I'm the best. No, we all have so much to learn and keeping our feet on the ground is important. But we got to value also ourselves and sure. each other, you know? So is that, is so, that where a sentiment like uh, thankful comes from? Where, where you just... I love that song. <laughs> God, I wish I lived in that way of thinking all day long. I would get to well, live in heaven all day long <laughs> if I really lived that song all day long, but I don't. Let me ask you, this. what was your mindset or when you wrote this? Do so you that's remember? co-write. That's me and Rune. Mm. And Rune is not a religious person, and I'm pretty mm. religious. But okay. he's like one of my best friends. Sure. I love songwriting with him. And we were writing that song, and I swear we both started crying, and we both agreed that it okay. felt like a little bit of heaven walked into okay. the room. And it was just one of those moments where we were reminded by the song that no matter what the frick you think about yourself or others or the world, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how much news you want to watch that day, which is like all mayhem and chaos, that there is way more to be grateful for, that mm. there is way more heaven here on earth. And if a song was a million hours long, you couldn't have it long enough to list all the magnificent miracles and joy that there is about living here. And I forget that most of the time. So it's funny, in the few times that I've gotten to sing that song on this promo run, I find myself like this. Okay. When I'm singing it because I'm being reminded by the song about, dude, stop crying right. in your soup, man. You got a lot to be grateful for. <laughs> well, you know? because that's that's what I kind of even though there's there's obviously very serious uh, things being yeah. discussed on the album, but yeah. it felt like a like a hopeful yeah. record. Yeah. Oh, if, if overall. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you say that, because I I always hope that. I know I tend to write a lot when I'm sad because mm. I'm looking for that comfort again i'm looking for somebody to tell me in that piano or in my co-writer or whoever i'm working with or whatever's going on that day that it's going to be okay to chill the frick out beth it's going to be a okay. hold on because mm. this too shall pass right but i don't always know if when i turn it in if that's how people are going to take it mm. and i god knows i don't want anyone ever to be hopeless listening to my music i want them to be hopeful right but um I tend to write more when I'm feeling afraid, you know, because okay. when I'm happy, I'm not going to be behind that piano, man. I'm going to be out gardening or cooking <laughs> or laughing with my friends or playing cards, you know. But at the same time then, because I think because you have such a strong emotional connection in those moments when you write, that that's why it resonates with a lot of people as well. I hope so. Because, the, nice. well, the, the, I, I just see the, the, every once in a while I see something, you shouldn't do this, but <laughs> read the comments on YouTube and stuff. I never do. No, no Dude, you shouldn't do it. Listen, no, no. whenever I really want to make love to the war in my mind, whenever I really <laughs> want to be down, all you got to do is go on the comment <laughs> board. No, there are geniuses in hate. 
It's like they sit up for days <laughs> and figure out what's the cruelest thing I can say. But then I think to myself, sometimes I think they're just being funny. Like they literally are just coming up with a way to make people get mad on the on the art mm -hmm. lovers of that artist, whatever, just to piss them off. <laughs> but then sometimes I get sad and I think, wow, are they really that unhappy? Mm. Sure. That they feel the need to go out and crush somebody. It's, and it's then a strange I think, phenomenon. It is a strange phenomenon. But you know, when I see the, the cruel things, which I try never to go because I'm so overly sensitive anyway. Sure. But one of the things that I like to think about is really praying for that person. Mm. Because I know any time in my life when I've been cruel or I've gossiped or I attack somebody, it's always because that's how I'm feeling about myself. Sure. So when someone's doing that, it's not really you they're attacking. It's their projection of themselves. I'll tell you one of the greatest comments I heard recently. Oh, it's so mean. <laughs> but I got to talk about it because it's kind of funny, too. Okay. Is I remember I was feeling really down and out. And I went, what, what can I do today to make myself feel worse? And I, I went on YouTube. <laughs> and I wanted to read what warned my mind. Uh, uh, or what was it, warm or something, there was something I wanted to read. Mm. So I'm scrolling down, and this one guy, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but he said, Beth is turning into a man. She is a 47-year-old woman who looks like a 60-year-old man. And I just, I had to laugh. I, had to, I wanted to call him up and say, hey, man, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> you got me. But did you, yeah, but, you need to have a good sense of humor about those, yeah, those you things, because otherwise yeah. you're going insane. Yeah, and also <laughs> when people are, are cutting you away, it's never about you. It's always about their own feelings. Right. So if anything, you got to feel sad and say a little prayer for them that they feel better. No, but the, 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 kind of what I wanted to say with all, that whole thing was that, that I do see a lot of comments that are very, very uh, positive and very, they, they can resonate with what you do. So, okay. um, do, do you... It, I imagine that's always been automatic, uh, but that emotional connection you have to the music, the, the, where, the, in a sense, does that come from? I think that maybe as a kid, because when I first went to the piano, I really felt like the instrument mm -hmm. was like God or like a really big, giant, yummy angel that was just there to welcome me into its arms. Right. And I always felt that with that instrument, especially with the piano. Um, and then I felt like it was like a doctor that I could like talk to about my stuff, but instead of him giving me the latest, whatever's the popular thing to do to deal with your stuff, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. I just felt like it had some kind of a wisdom of saying, I don't really have the answers for you, but guess what? Whatever you're going through, it's natural. It's called being human and it's okay. But, but so know? in that sense, does, does uh, music in a, in a way fulfill the same role as it always did for you? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the, the only reason why I keep going back to it. Mm. Yeah, and, and sometimes I, I tell Scott, I say, okay, you can't let me go into the piano room for okay. a week. You okay. have to keep me out of there. Because I'm such an addict, so whatever it is I do, I'm going to overdo. Right. So I'll go down in the morning and I'll stay there till 3, 4 in the morning. Okay. And I'll spend, you know... 20 hours, and that's not healthy. You forget to piano. eat and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and in the garden too. I, I have to make him help me to not go into the garden because I'll go in there in the morning, <laughs> and then when the sun goes down, I will have him set up lights like what you have here out in the yard. The freaking neighbors are looking out the window going, oh God, whack jobs in the garden. She can't get out of there, and I'll go till my hands and my oh. feet are just so sore. Everything's so sore, you know? So it's just... Very last and very quick question then, um, what do you like about gardening? I love everything about gardening. 
But the thing I love the most about gardening, and it's the same thing I love the most about music, it's the doing of it. Mm. So it's not even the outcome. Sure, the, I, in the morning I like to get out and see yesterday's work, you know, and um, with the song, once I'm finished with it, I love to play it every day for a while. and. And just, I like to hear the finished process. I like to look at whatever I'm doing in the garden, but it's the doing of it. I love the, um, the struggle and the work. Mm. I do like that. I like sweating. I like, um, I like the sweat and the grind of being in the yard, but I also love the challenge of when I'm seeking the truth in a song. Mm. It's always the music first, and that music, it's got to become a beautiful enough woman to where it makes me want to visit her with my words. Mm. Otherwise, I'm not going to. Okay. So I first get that to where I play, oh God, I can hang out with this chick. Because I know <laughs> me, it's going to take me a long time to seek the truth and how to word it in a way that I feel is either honest enough, emotional enough, or something enough that this beautiful woman deserves and mm. vice versa. And I really look at it that, oh, that way. And I also look at it as a spiritual warfare. Sure. So I feel like the devil is trying to get me to be too afraid to talk about the truth. So I'd get up in this motherfucker's face and i say, all right, man, let's play. Let's mm. play because I'm going to find it. And no matter how much you try and keep me from it, I am going to get there. So it's this whole play in my head and in my heart of how do I dig down and find it. And, and if I do find it. Is it going to mean something? Is it going to be good enough for this lovely woman that I've created on the piano, right? right? And so that's, that becomes the, the trip. But it's always the, the work. It's almost sad when it's over. There's something beautiful in those kinds of struggles, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you feel alive. Mm. I remember one of my doctors who's also an addict of working out. So he would sure. work out six right. to nine hours a day every day. So when he was 65, his body looked like a 20-year-old. It's an amazing guy. But he, he, was, he knew he was an addict of exercise. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, so what is it? Is it your outcome of wanting to look so strong? He goes, nothing to do with that. It has to do with the actual exercising itself. I feel fully alive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I love about you know, gardening and painting and, but, and songwriting is I feel fully alive. Yeah. On that note, yeah. Beth. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening to me ramble. Thank you. No, it's excellent. God, it's so annoying to hear no, myself speak, man. That's all right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You.